Welcome back to Studio Stories. I'm your host, Eve Lancorn, and today I'm speaking to Katie from Slumber Tots on Instagram, who is a certified baby and child sleep consultant. As well as sharing her top tips today, she'll also be answering your questions we asked over on our Instagram last week. Hi, Katie. So thank you so much for joining me today. Now, you are a certified baby sleep consultant over on Instagram with at Slumber Tots. So do you want to start by introducing yourself? Yep. Hi, my name is Katie Hyerman. I'm a baby and child sleep consultant and I run Slumber Tots. I work with children from newborn up to five years old and I help families to get more sleep. I'm also a mum of two, Kian's seven and Lilia's five, and I became a sleep consultant following my struggles with sleep deprivation when Kian was a baby. So you just mentioned you're a sleep consultant. So how do you become a sleep consultant? What sort of the journey? So I think for a lot of people, it begins with their own sleep struggles. And that was certainly the case for me, as I just as I just mentioned. Uh, when Kian was born, he was quite a disturbed sleeper and things didn't really improve as he got older. Um, I found myself struggling to be the mum I wanted to be due to sleep deprivation. So I was I was exhausted all the time, but I didn't really know where to start and what to do to, to, to improve things. Um, nor did I really have the time or the energy to research things to help. So my sister recommended a sleep consultant. And so we contacted her and and worked with her. And after about three days, Kim was was sleeping through the night for the very first time in in eight months. That really just taught me that sleeping poorly isn't something we have to endure just because we're we're parents. Because I think there's a lot of jokes when you have children about about not sleeping. And that's very, obviously very natural for newborns to be disturbed. But as children get older, they are capable of sleeping more and sleeping for longer stretches so because it was so life-changing for us um, in 2016 I decided to train as a as a consultant myself so I researched some some various different programs I undertook a certification in baby sleep so I attended an in-person training course and then received ongoing support and mentorship as I worked with my first clients and got experience firsthand Um, since then I've worked with nearly 500 families I'm a member of the Association of Professional Sleep Consultants which is one of the bodies for for sleep consultants and I've undertaken additional training in nutrition and infant mental health to support the work that I do with families. Wow that's amazing so what were you doing before you became a sleep consultant? Um, I was so I was a bank manager and then I was a, a civil servant so I worked in central government. Oh wow so it's quite a big career change for you then. Yeah, completely, completely different. <laughs> and how common are sleep problems? I know you just said you work with over 500 parents, which is incredible. But what are sort of the main causes of babies or toddlers not sleeping? Yeah, so that's a really good, really good question. Um, in, my, in my experience, the, the main causes um, for, for toddlers and babies not sleeping will be down to kind of a hand, usually a handful of reasons. Um, so things that I'll look at when I work with families are the, the structure to their day, so their daytime routine, you need to get the right balance of, of daytime sleep and also awake time, um, the right sleep environment, um, and then also how they're, they're falling asleep, which can be one of the trickier elements to, to change. So we all come to the surface of sleep, even as adults, um, several times a night. Babies will do that more frequently because their sleep cycles are shorter, so around every 45 minutes. And for adults, that tends to be around, around 90 minutes. So when when they come to the end of those cycles, um, if they've used something external to, to get to sleep, so if they've had a bit of help, whether that's rocking, feeding a dummy or a parent being present or, you know, a parent sort of patting them or stroking them, um, and it's not there when they come to the end of that sleep cycle, when they wake up, they'll struggle to get back to sleep. And that's when they'll, they'll cry out and need some assistance. For some babies, they can, they can get through a number of sleep cycles without needing help back to sleep. Certainly earlier in the evening, that tends to be the case when, when they're more tired, having just gone to bed. 
but some babies may wake a couple of times through the night some babies may wake every every sleep cycle it, it really varies baby to baby and what would you say are your sort of top three tips for helping an easy night of sleep uh, so I would say one, one of the simplest things you can do is using light and dark to your advantage. So getting outside during the day in natural light, it's good for adults and, and babies and, and children alike. That can really help to regulate your circadian rhythm or your body clock. So light, getting exposure to natural light during the day can help you sleep better at night. Um, equally with, with darkness, when, um, when you come to, to get your, bed, your baby ready for bed, um, that helps to build melatonin at bedtime. So if you take your so that's the sleepy hormone. So if you take your baby into a dimly lit room before bed, that can, can help build those sleepy hormones and help them, help them get ready for sleep. It can also be helpful for lengthening naps. And also at this time of year, as it's starting to get lighter much earlier in the morning as, as we go into the summer, it can help them sleep later in the morning and not wake early. Also introducing a nice wind down routine, whether that's for naps or bedtime, that can help your baby to know what's coming next and what's expected, i.e. going to sleep. So the same steps in the same order every day for, it can be five to 10 minutes for a nap and then around half an hour before bed. And um, so things like having, having a bath, having a good feed, reading some books and a song and then into the cot. And that can also help them to relax and unwind and prepare for sleep. The other key thing to do is to make sure they get enough daytime sleep and enough wake, awake time in the day. So how the daytime is structured can really have a positive impact in terms of how well they settle at bedtime and how well they sleep overnight. And I guess that sort of varies from age, going from sort of newborn to toddler as well. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as babies get older, or as babies and, and children get older, newborns can probably manage around 45 minutes to an hour awake and then up to, to toddlers, they'll be able to do five to six hours if they're still having a nap. Or obviously once they drop their nap around two and a half to three and um, going sort of a full you know 12 12 to 13 hours that's some really great top tips thank you so we're now going to go we asked our audience some scenarios so we've got some individual questions from our audience now so our first one is when do you cut out white noise i've got a 19 month old and we have it on naps and nighttime. and also what is white noise so white noise um can be really really useful for um, newborns. Um, it's basically kind of the noise of the sort of static on a radio or um, a hairdryer. That's kind of what we're talking about when we use white noise. It's basically background noise. Um, it can be really useful for newborns um, because it sort of mimics the sound of the, the womb. So they're not used to, to being in you know, total silence. So for newborns, it, it can help comfort them and, and help them to sleep. It can also be useful for um, for sort of blocking out outside noise. So if you've got noisy neighbours, if you live in a you know in in a flat, um, if you live near a busy road, it can be really useful for blocking out those noises which might wake your baby or or your toddler when they're when they're asleep or particularly when they're they're napping. Um, so um, so yeah, the key thing with white noise is if you are using it to to use it for the the duration of a nap and to use it all night, so it's a consistent part of the sleep environment. Um, there isn't sort of a hard and fast rule of when to when to remove it. Um, generally, I tend to find it, well, it can be a good time when when your toddler stops napping. So obviously, you're not trying to. Usually, there's less noise at night, so often using it sort of for the nap can sort of keep you know noise, daytime noises out and, and help them sleep better. So often, when you drop the nap, it can be a good time to to remove it. But really, you can do it at any time. It's really a case of just sort of gradually turning it down every few days, so they get less and less used to it until you're down to a silent room, basically. 
And our next question is, how do you manage two kids sleeping in the same bedroom? Um, and this lady in question has a newborn and a three-year-old. So generally, when you're putting two children together in, in the same room, I would look, if, you're, if you've got the option to, to, to sort of prior to that, have them, have them sleeping separately, I would work on having them both sleeping well before you move them together so they don't disturb each other. If you have a newborn, I would recommend keeping them in your room. It's quite common for newborns to need to wake frequently to feed um, overnight. So in, in the newborn stage, I would say keep the newborn with you. Um, the recommendation is for the newborn to be in, in your room until six months old. And then when you're looking to, to move them together, I'd recommend that you, you sort of don't do that before they're sort of sleeping, that they're both sort of sleeping, sleeping well. And our next question is, how do you get a baby to settle in their cot and not on you? Yeah, this is a really good, really good question and one, one I do get a lot. There are some, some kind of basic things you can do to, to try and encourage it. So um, having, a, having a nice dark room for your baby, so for nap time and for, for bedtime. Having the right awake window, so you're, you're putting them down after when they're going to be sort of nice and tired but not overtired. Um, so putting them down at the right time. And again, that will vary as you, baby to baby and, and sort of dependent on age. Um, having a nice wind down routine for naps and bedtime to cue sleep so they go through the routine and then they know what's expected next. Using a, a sleep sack for, for daytime sleep and night sleep can again be part of that cueing system so when they go into the sleep sack they know they know what's coming next and, and really it's about it can be about practice so putting aside a few days to um, to focus on naps in the cot so if you're always putting them down in the same in the same space over those few days so i.e in their in their cot they'll know when they go into the room and they have that little routine, they'll know what's expected. So putting aside a bit of, a bit of time, clearing, you know, clearing your diary so you're not sort of, you don't have to be anywhere, so you're not going to be stressed trying to, to get them down for a, for a nap in a hurry because you have to be somewhere afterwards. Um, so, so spending some time focusing on practising in the cot, those few tips can, can be really helpful. Yeah, no, that's really great advice. So the next question is, my 15-month-old is transitioning to one nap, but really struggling and becoming overtired. What are your tips? Will only nap for one to one and a half hours, so gets very overtired by bedtime, causing multiple night wakes. So this is really common at this, at this stage, particularly with nap transitions, and it can take four to six weeks to fully adjust to, to one nap. So it is quite a tricky transition going from fairly sort of short or shorter awake windows to just sort of one nap and, and five to six hours awake. So it's really normal, first of all, that that, that can happen. Um, I would recommend if you're, uh, so if we're aiming for, when your baby moves to one nap, we're aiming for an hour and a half to, to two hours daytime sleep. Um, in the shorter term, you can move bedtime earlier. So you avoid baby becoming overtired because some of those night wake-ups can be caused by baby getting overtired and that can have an impact on the night. Um, so moving bedtime earlier can, can help in the shorter term and then moving it back once your baby's started to adjust to the, the longer awake windows. If, for example, you're putting a baby down for a nap and they wake early and it's a really long window, even if you're bringing you know, bedtime to sort of 6 or 6.30, you can try a, an afternoon cat nap. So take them out in in the car or the, the buggy just for sort of a short um, 20 to 30 minute nap just to take the edge off and, and push them through till bedtime so that can help in the in the shorter term as well but as I say it can take it is just about more more time with a lot of children and it can take four to six weeks for things to really settle down. Our next question is my daughter is 26 months old and stopped sleeping through the night although she has slept for 12 hours plus since she was seven weeks old I'm now 36 weeks pregnant will this stop when the baby is here or will it get worse? 
So it can be common at this age. Um, often, often sleep disturbances can be caused by um, development. So around this age, it can be related to language development. So as your as your toddlers practicing and learning, their, their speech is essentially coming on a lot. Um, so lots of children will experience sort of a bit of a sleep blip around this age. If you can stay kind of consistent with, with what you're doing or what you were doing previously, it should calm down usually within sort of a week or two. Um, so I try to sort of keep things as consistent as possible and try not to change things or introduce anything new in terms of how you're responding to them or how they're getting to sleep. Sometimes around this age, you might also need a routine tweak. Um, so, so most children will move to dropping their nap around two and a half to to three years, possibly three and a half. Um, but some children can be sort of nearing readiness. So you might need to increase awake time, so either push, push bedtime later or start to cap their nap. So some children can be fine with two hours up until kind of getting quite close to dropping their nap. Other children can need an hour and a half or even as little as an hour um, in, in the run up to, to that. So in, in the period that this, this toddler is is in. When siblings come along, sometimes there can be ups and downs in, in terms of sleep. Um, it, it should probably calm down if it's developmental um, or look at the look at the routine tweak to get things back on track um, before the sibling arrives. And do you find that when you're sort of doing your sleep consulting, like that when other babies do arrive, that there is a disruptance with other the siblings' naps? Yeah, it can it can definitely be the case um, because it's you know it's dealing with with change, so it's something different. So there can be disturbances overnight or there can be disturbances with with naps. It can also just be down to kind of, you know, more more noise in the house or the baby crying that can disturb disturb the toddler's naps. Um, so it's yeah, it's common for there to be sort of ups and downs during that period. But I think if you're if you're in a consistent routine and your toddler knows what to expect, then, then that's kind of the, the I think the biggest thing you can do for them, the, the consistency and the routine, because a lot has changed in their life. But the things that you can keep the same, they'll feel they'll feel comforted and, and reassured by the, the bits of their life that are remaining the same. Yeah, definitely. Um, and our final little scenario that we have is he keeps waking at 5.30am with no need of food. What are your tips? So there can be a few different factors that affect um, early wake-ups. Again, moving into um, the sort of spring and summer months, I would look at the moment at making the room completely dark. So any bits of light getting into the room, if you've got a blackout blind or curtains, closing the gaps around the, the window. From a biological perspective, we all respond, bodies respond to light. So if there's light getting into the room in the morning, it's going to wake us up. So I'd, I'd look at sort of making the room completely, completely dark and getting rid of any sort of small bits of light. I would also look at, at where your, your bedtime is. So sometimes early wake-ups can be can be caused by overtiredness. So moving bedtime a bit earlier can give your baby a little bit of, of extra sleep to deal with the overtiredness and that can that can help solve the issue. So sometimes coming earlier with bedtime can help. Um, equally, sometimes moving bedtime later. So it's a little bit of trial and error. So some, some babies aren't capable of sleeping 12 hours at night. They don't, they don't need that much sleep. Some babies will, will sleep 11. Some babies even need sort of 10 or 10 and a half. So moving bedtime later, essentially if, if you're putting your baby down at half past six and they only need 11, 10 and a half, 11 hours of sleep, they're obviously going to be waking before, you know, before six the next morning. Um, so moving bedtime later, experimenting with that, if they are a, a lower sleep needs baby, that can help push their, their wake up time a little bit later to ideally sort of post six o'clock, because really most, most babies and, and children will wake somewhere between six and six and seven o'clock. 
Thank you so much for answering all of those. I think that'll be really useful to a lot of parents listening right now. And where can anyone listening hear more about your work and also what you do and what you offer? So there's lots of information on my website, which is at slumbertops.com, um, about my one-to-one services and sleep guides. Um, in terms of social media, I'm most active on Instagram, where I'm at slumbertots, and I do a weekly Q&A on a Wednesday about sleep and share lots of advice in my static posts as well. Amazing. Thank you so, so much, Katie. So my final question for today is what is the main mantra you live your life by and why? Oh, that's a, a really good question. I think after the last few years with my with my business and, and my sort of parenthood journey um, is around comparison and trying not to compare myself to other people, um, other parents or other people, other, other business people. And um, it's really very much a work in progress, but I think it can be so hard as a parent when we're all worried about doing the right thing. And um, when you're a, a new parent, you don't know, you know, you've never done it before. So you don't know if you're, if you're doing the right thing. I think there's a lot of, a lot of pressure to, you know, a lot of parents feel that way. I know I certainly did when I was a, a new parent and, and still do. I think social media is a, is a blessing and a curse at times. It can be such a great place for community and for advice and information, but it's also um, a snapshot of people's lives. So it's, it can feel really hard not to compare what's happening in your everyday life with, with somebody else's highlight reel. So that's why I try to, to sort of keep in mind and try not to, not to draw too many comparisons with, with other people because everybody has their, their ups and downs. So I try to take what's, what's useful, unfollow or mute people if, if I'm not finding it helpful. And yeah, just try to focus on, on what I'm doing really. So that's what I would recommend to other people too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've had we've had so many women on this podcast who just say exactly the same thing that if it's not useful to you just to to mute it. And and like you said, it can be a, a blessing and a curse. Katie, you've been fabulous today. Thank you so much for answering all those questions for us. Um, I will pop a few links below to your Instagram and your website and your social media handles. So um, if you are having any sleep issues, anyone listening, please go give Katie a follow. And I'm sure you'll find so many so much useful advice there. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And don't forget, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. 